follow directions. <laughs> oh, I just didn't know. <laughs> Greetings. My name is Joanne. Welcome to Unity Center for Positive Living. We're glad you could join us here this morning. It's my first time back up here in months and months and months. Okay. Um, Oh, sure. Is that better? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Especially if you're new. So, uh, you have a daily word around? I don't know. I forgot about that. No. Yeah, we'll do that so how about for right now while we're looking for one <laughs> you join us in surely the presence let me turn this off This connectivity fills me with a great sense of joy and peace. I am truly one with all of humankind. By affirming and knowing the sacred presence of love and letting it flow in all that I do, I establish my heart and my world in the spiritual resource of peace that has no limits. With each encounter, 
I remind myself that every person is an individual expression of God. I have been given love that can act as a healing bomb for all the world, beginning with me. With a sense of well-being, I gratefully affirm, peace fills, peace fills me as I center myself in divine love. And from Luke 12, 34, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And now let's do the opening statement. If you can hear us on Zoom, give us a thumbs up. Yep. Okay, thank you. So we need the slideshow. We're good. Slideshow for open statement. There we go. All right, let's say the opening statement together. There's only one presence and one power active as the universe and as my life, God the good. Now we're going to do the welcoming song, which is Kumbaya. So get your fires going and your s'mores ready.
Hey, Chris. Hi. 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 Hi, Fred. Hi. Hi, John and Sherry. <coughs> That's mine too. Does it have two ears? <laughs> Please, I appreciate that. That's the way I travel. I leave a trail so in case I can't find my way back. I will. I got my blue glasses on just like yours. Are there any announcements? I can't think of any. Anybody got any announcements? Yeah, look on your screen. Announcement. You know, she's going to unmute herself, so you got to do the Zoom thing. Oh. Turn off your mic. Okay. Which, uh, I don't know which thing I'm coming out of, but. I'm inviting everyone to come to my house for some food and help me paint my deck. Um, John and Sherry, that means you. <laughs> Fred, I expect to see you there. But I don't have a date. I just want to put it out to the universe that I'm having a little trouble getting it done. So any hands would be helpful. Thank you. Okay, any more announcements in church? No. Let's all say our community statement together. All right. We believe in our oneness with all life and the power of love. We teach universal principles and values as taught by Jesus and others revealing the one God presence. We practice prayer, meditation, and service to be conscious of our oneness in God. And now let's do our song of joy. Love come a trickling down.
Thank you very much, Joyce. That sounds so pretty from your mom's home. You're on vacation. And now the reading today will be by Hallie. Joanne, we asked if everyone could hear okay. Can everybody hear okay? Thumbs up. Yep. Okay. Thank you. Lower this. <laughs> lower, lower. <laughs> Can you hear me okay? You should tip it your direction. Yes. Yeah. Can you hear? Oh, you yeah. can. All right. Um, today I chose a book that was written by Martha Smock, and it's called Fear Not Messages of Assurance. And this is one of the chapters that she has written in here. So, what I did is I just took some excerpts from it to read to you things that mainly spoke to me, but I hope speak to you also. It would have taken too long to read the whole chapter. It's called Your Soul Chooses Largely. This is a reading from John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you. It helps me to believe that life is more than a combination of circumstances that things that do not happen by chance. It helps me to believe that the Christ spirit in me has chosen a way of progress and unfoldment for me. Even though humanly, I may not understand how the events and the circumstances of my life have any spiritual significance. There are many things in life that we experience, though not by choice. When we have something difficult to meet, we wonder why we must meet it. We would, if we could, choose something far different in the way of experiences. It must be that in ways we do not understand, our soul makes its choices and what the soul chooses, it is capable of meeting. The soul is seeking fulfillment. It is seeking a oneness with Christ. Sometimes the most trying experiences are the ones through which our soul is developed the most, in which we come the closest to a consciousness of ourselves as spiritual beings. <laughs> if you realize that you are a spiritual being, a living soul sent out from God, that your life is without beginning or end, you can begin to see yourself and the events of your life from a different perspective. You are essentially a spiritual being, but you are at the same time a human being. Your journey in life is towards the spiritual, toward the complete renewal and spiritualization of mind, soul, and body. And as a human being, you may seem far from the goal of spiritual perfection. But human reasoning cannot tell you either how far or how near you are to it. Sometimes the choice of the soul seems a more demanding one than any we would consciously make ourselves. 
humanly, we often feel limited, inadequate. We feel that we are as nothing. But other persons are more blessed, more endowed with talent, and more able to give something worthwhile to the world. But remember, the soul chooses largely for us. The soul's choices are not limited by lack of education or family background or money or any of the many lacks that seem to frustrate our human desire for achievement. The soul chooses largely because it knows that Christ has chosen it and appointed it to go forth. Where humanly we are afraid, the soul fearlessly chooses to walk through the very valley of the shadow of death, for it knows neither life nor death, but only progress. If you are at a place in your life now where you cannot understand why you have to meet the things you have to meet, know that there is a divine reason behind every human happening. No matter what the experiences you have to meet, you are more than equal to them in your divine nature. Your soul has chosen the particular path your life is taking because it is the path that leads out of darkness into light. Christ in you makes you more than conquer in all things. Believe this, act from this belief, and you will stand triumphant in every trial. You will meet and overcome every difficulty, and you will go forward with glory. May your soul be at peace. Thank you. That was beautiful. Thank you very much, Howie. Okay, now it's time for our meditation song.
Oh, that was pretty. Thank you so much. All right. Now it's time for our affirmations. You'll join me together. I am the love of God in expression. I am truly thankful for all the good I already experience. I am growing more prosperous with every day. I am healthy, active, whole, and happy. I am always growing and expanding into the fulfillment of my potential. I am at peace knowing everything I need comes to me in the perfect time and in the perfect way. So today we will say the progressive Lord's Prayer, followed by the Alleluia. <clears throat> Please join me. Our Creator who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, I am. I am thy kingdom come, I am thy will being done. I am on earth, even as I am in heaven. I am giving this day daily bread to all. I am forgiving all life, even as I am also all life forgiving me. I am leading all people from temptation. I am delivering all people from error. For I am the kingdom, I am the power, and I am the glory of God in eternal, immortal manifestation. All this I am. Again, Joyce. And now it's time for our wonderful speaker, John Wingfield. You know, we have a different speaker every Sunday. And today is John's turn to enlighten us with his wisdom. Come on up, John. And you're welcome to take that microphone out if you don't want to use the stand. No, I need protection. <laughs> Actually, um, that way I can just put my stuff, my thingies right in front of here. Um, it's good to be alive, and it's great to be here again. Who's the gardener? Who does the gardening? Susan. The flowers are beautiful. Susan. 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 Yeah, it's, it's just fantastic to come in with the beautiful, the beauty of nature, you know, to welcome, welcome us to this place. And I also want to make a comment about the song Kumbaya. I love that song. Um, I remember as a kid, we used to sing it at like church events. You know, I grew up going to United Methodist Church in Eastern Washington. And, uh, and then it was introduced to, to us as this is what um, people in Africa were singing around uh, the campfire, come by here. Lord. And then in college, I met people from Africa. There was one friend from Biafra. 
George Obioza was his name. And he was from, you know, Biafra, remember that? They were in civil war. He came to University of Puget Sound, where I was going to school, right after the end of the civil war. Uh, now it's all part of Nigeria, but but it was a wonderful sharing he, he had with me. We had lunch together. He First time he, I ever ate plantain, he prepared these Nigerian foods. It was just magnificent. Later on, he went on to be the um, uh, ambassador to the United Nations for the nation of Nigeria and to the United States for some time. So, you know, it's wonderful to have that come by here, have real context, a real meaning for me. It's not just uh, as comedians have, and cynics have put it down as, oh, a kumbaya moment, but it's truly that welcoming of spirit in our lives to make that connection. <clears throat> now, first, now, in my planned remarks, is to talk about something we're all very familiar with, and that is denial. You know denial, right? How a person refuses to admit they have a problem, whether it's an addiction to alcohol or drugs or abuse or lying. I mean, it is a form of lying, right? We lie to ourselves, we lie to other people that we don't have a problem, right? And we're very familiar with it. You know, it's just all, all part of the house. It's a, a something that, like Groucho Marx used to say, it's something familiar that we find around the house every day. It's also something we find in the Senate. It's also something we find with all politicians and all people in, in our society, right? Just about, just about everyone has a, some form of, I know I should to deny that I have a problem. But I say that because there's a difference here. I want to, I want to explain a very subtle but very powerful uh, difference. <clears throat> um, you see, when I grew up, um, in the 50s and 60s, uh, I would, like I said, I was in the Methodist Church and I was observing society in my life and all those around me in, in a, my own particular point of view. And um, one of the things that I saw through the media was what was going on with civil rights and, and the, the rest of the things that were happening that uncivil rights in our nation and our nation being at war and uh, friends going off and not coming back uh, from war and so forth. We've, we've all experienced that, but, but it was all out there kind of, except for those friends close to me who didn't come back from Vietnam and so forth. But um, I got into, in college, I got into demonstrating, demonstrating for human rights, civil rights, for peace and so forth. And um, then about 50 years ago, was the first time I joined a unity church. And in, when I did that, I started studying unity um, books and uh, understanding what Charles Fillmore was writing and Myrtle Fillmore and Eric Butterworth and uh, Ernest, um, Ernest Holmes, not, not Ernest Holmes, Ernest, I can't think of his last name. Now, but he was a unity minister in Kansas City when I was going to school. Um, but um, demonstration is what I found was that demonstration means to demonstrate or manifest the love of God, 
to, it just took a whole different meaning to me, that it, it became a, a time of demonstrating or manifesting or giving expression to what we understand as God, love and peace and joy, goodness, care, comfort, compassion. And so for this part of my life, this um, second and third uh, of my life, quarter of my life, it's, it's been real uh, emphasis and effort to demonstrate what love and what I understand God is, okay? Now, with that, hold that thought. Um, back to denial. Myrtle Fillmore gave us the classic uh, denial. And one of the things that she and her husband, Charles, put together and gave to us in Christian thought was, was the um, tools, some tools that we can use in consciousness. One is prayer. And that's what she, she really developed that through her prayer activity. And that evolved into what we know today as silent unity and daily work and so forth. But also two other tools are denials and affirmations. Those are tools that we can use to change our mind, to change our way of relating, our way of thinking, our way of action, our way of demonstrating what we understand as God. So denial in the unity context is far different than what we're familiar with generally in society today. Denial in unity means a refusal to, to identify with what's not true about us. You hear that? It's to, to refuse to give energy to and identify ourselves with what's not true. And because Myrtle Fillmore, when the first part of her life, she was a sickly young woman. She was someone who was ill a lot. Um, and her denial was, or actually with an affirmation, I am a child of God, the affirmation. And then she said, therefore, I inherit no illness. I inherit no illness. So take that and extrapolate on that. I inherit no poverty. I inherit no confusion. I inherit no what? abuse or or anything that is negative and and truly anything that is not true about us or for us i am a child of god so therefore i'm whole and free i am an absolute expression or manifestation a demonstration of all that is in divine mind now in this book prosperity by charles Sumer, he lays out the uh, Laws of Manifestation, and, uh, and another book, Christian Healing, he does even more clearly, I think. But this I bring because this is something that he was teaching back during the Depression, the Great Depression. This, is, this was his answer to all the chaos and the poverty and the, the, ab the abject poverty and suffering that was going on in our country. Uh, and, and worldwide, for that matter. It wasn't just here. It was also happening around the world and um, in many ways. So um, in this, he says that 
man is the inlet he needs man and woman right but in those days back in the 30s and 40s they they didn't differentiate they didn't have that sensitivity to gender and so forth and that awareness that awareness of gender specific uh, identity um but <clears throat> that we are the inlet and the outlet of all that is in divine mind okay all of the divine ideas of love and understanding of faith of will of imagination of strength of power order and all of these ideas come to us and through us to manifest to demonstrate the goodness the absoluteness of god that's what we're here for i experienced this in a way 15 years ago i was a minister of unity in in the united kingdom uh, and i was working our headquarters were right out west of, of london and on easter sunday i i was to speak at unity of london but they didn't have their services till three in the afternoon which i found really interesting uh, and kind of mind-blowing for me because we always had services at 9 and 11 or or you know have that kind of pattern in the morning but the church of england in the catholic church that's their domain and so they would have the unity center centers would have theirs in the afternoon so i went to unity i went to the methodist church in westminster um in london and this is the the grand um, grand hall for the methodist church in of all of england um, and i went in and sat down quietly in the back and, and they had a cross up front this is a great hall this is a a great beautiful place right across from westminster abbey and and all of the you know the, the capitol buildings and big ben uh, right out the front door and but this was london and that was formerly the center of the of the british empire and so one of the things that happens when you have an empire is that it attracts all of the elements of the empire and so all of these people from nigeria and kenya and ghana and other parts of the commonwealth were there and they came up in their in their attire their beautiful uh dresses and and robes and things with flowers and put on that cross up front it was just such a beautiful ex uh, example i like kumbaya right it was the divine adoration of god of love manifesting in that building i just was so taken by that and i wasn't, wasn't even planning on talking about that i don't know why i took off with that in in my thoughts but it was just a, a beautiful moment and that's one of the things i I just can't emphasize enough is that abundant living is being able to to um, appreciate and value the beauty all around us in any given time and space in our journey through the universe because that's where we are we're moving through the universe in wonderful ways so marcus aurelius who was a roman emperor and philosopher said our life is what our thoughts make it our life is what our thoughts make it and so that's why gardening having the garden outside is so important to have beauty in our thoughts 
to have beautiful thoughts, to have thoughts of gratitude, of love, and kindness for all people that we can in our life and in our world, to be able to bring that forth. So we are the gardener of our mind. So I want to just talk about three basic laws of manifestation. The first is faith. Faith, Fillmore described as the perceiving power of mind that lets you see a way possible, to see what's possible for you to, to live your life the way you want it, the way you deserve it, the way you desire it, okay? And, and the second is imagination. And imagination is the workshop of the mind where we not only see what's possible, but we can envision. It's the power of vision to see creativity and beauty everywhere, all around us. And then like the books and the, how does that Shakespeare line go? Um, the Brooks and trees and babbling brooks and beauty all around. It's just, it's just that wherever we are to be able to see and appreciate the goodness. And then the third is, is the power of will. And the will is the determination to get there, to the determination to make it. So Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have life abundantly. And so what does that mean? What does abundant life mean? To, to live abundantly in our life, to living that. It's not just a product. Is it money? Well, money helps, but that's not the measure for me. It's not about quantity. It's about quality. It's about the quality of life that we can live and how we can give to life as we give back and make it work. So I want to share with you a story. This I had planned to tell. The story, I, I met a woman about 21 years ago, maybe over 21 years ago, maybe uh, 22 years ago. Um, and we called her Babushka. I met her at a um, Seder dinner down south of Portland in, in Silver Lake, some friends of ours that we had made. Um, and I asked her to tell me the story. And this is the story. About 100 years ago, she and her husband lived in Odessa. You've heard a lot about Odessa recently. Um, they lived in Odessa, and her husband, Dadushka, was an officer in the Red Army. At that time, there were three wars going, a civil war. They, what we call the First World War had ended, but in Russia, it had not ended because there was a civil war going on between the Red Army, which was the communist army led by Stalin, and the White Army, which was the royalist army trying to restore the monarchy or the czar. The czar had been executed in but they were trying to restore that old way. And then the Green Army, and the Green Army was uh, just a mass of of anarchists, and they just went around destroying everything, villages and people. So it was crazy. It was really a crazy time. But they were, they were in Odessa, and they were suffering with poverty. They didn't have enough food for everyone to eat. And so they were, so Dadushka came up with this idea. There was a, he was in procurement for the Red Army, and he had an idea that if he could go, take some salt and go to Moscow, he could make some money. 
And so um, there was a ship that had run aground in the, in the harbor, and he convinced his commanding officer to let, allow him to take some documents up to, to headquarters in Moscow. And, um, and while he doing so, he was given permission to do that. And he got, uh, let's say, two kilos of salt, a, a bag of salt off that ship. And he got on a train and headed toward Moscow. And along the line, literally along the rail line, they stopped in a small station. And all of a sudden, all these sailors carrying weapons got on board and they went around confiscating anything of value and they took his salt. And then they went on down the, down in the train doing that with everyone. Well, he was infuriated. He was infuriated. So he went down to the, to the, train station, just a little box, you know, along the rail. And there was uh, an officer, a naval officer inside, and he yelled at the officer, said, I'm an officer just like you are. Give me back my salt. And so the, the naval officer let him go into the back room, and the back room was full of bags of salt. So he took one, he got back on the train, went on down the line, and, um, and stopped at a, a main stop at a town and went into the market and there in the market he found um i can't think of it. it was like chocolate but um something we drank back in the 70s a lot um what no not oval tea but it's a it's a no they didn't have oval tea you know in russia in those days anyway he got these bags and he traded his salt for this this product and and then he got some sugar and he got on the train, went back to, to a, down the line to another town, and um, he, he did, did another trade. And so he kept taking what he had and making it more valuable. And he got to Moscow and he went to visit his uncle Leon. And his uncle Leon looked at what he had. He had a, this handful of cash, and Leon said, "Well, that's not going to do you any good because inflation is so high. That won't be worth anything day after tomorrow. So here." Let me trade you that money for these diamonds. And he held out a handful of uh, about four or five diamonds. They were kind of cloudy diamonds, but they weren't, you know, they weren't the kind you would wear on your finger probably. But, but um, anyway, he, he, he did the trade. Then he went back down to Odessa and he showed his wife these diamonds. Look, honey, this isn't this great. Or he, of course, he was speaking in Russian, not in English. But, but um, she said, what? What about the list of things I gave you to get? <laughs> didn't you do that? So anyway, she, he didn't, he was in trouble, but he had the diamonds. So that was a manifestation of wealth for him that gave him hope. And then later when he got out of the army, they went to Moscow and, and again, he was in, he was in the, the business of trade where he would buy things and sell things. And, and during that time of the, of the mid twenties, uh, in Russia, and again, it was very. Uh, there was a lot of suffering going on all around, and and if you don't know history, Stalin, while he was the president or prime minister of Russia, forty million people disappeared, many more people than Hitler's and the Holocaust there within Russia itself. They eliminated forty million people thereabouts, but. They were also trying to get Dadushka and Babushka and family and their daughter, who I knew, uh, Tatiana, 
um, they had like a daycare in their home in Moscow and the Russian um, and the KGB, you know, the pre precursor of the KGB kept invading their house in order to find that they had a non-sanctioned school operating. It was a preschool, it was a daycare in their home. Uh, but they always were able to avoid being caught. And, um, but then they knew that they didn't have much time left. And so in 1927, they, they escaped Russia by uh, Babushka and, and Tatiana getting on train and riding to Paris. And Darushka, the husband, her dad, um, had to go overland through, by way of Finland to make it and then make his way down to Paris. And there they had, again, they were in business and everything was going much better, but then they saw clouds of war coming from Germany. And so in 1935, Tatiana's best friend was an American girl whose father happened to be the ambassador from the United States. And he was able to arrange for them to get passage to, to New York. So there they lived a good life. That good life is abundant living. It doesn't matter who we are or what we are, you know? God gives us all, gives to all, but it's how we utilize that gift. And the plumb line for abundant living is quality of life. How we live, the quality of life. I remember on the night that, uh, on the day that, that Babushka died, they lived, she and her daughter, Tatiana, lived up in Redmond. They had a, a house right on the lake, Lake Washington. And we, we had a call that she had died that, that day. And so we went up to her house and, and we went up to her room and saw, saw her lying in state, lying in you know, repose. Um, it had a, a brief uh, time of just admiring her. What's it called? A wake, a little family wake. Very unofficial, very uh, no big deal. But it was really appreciating the goodness. And what Tatiana said was her last words were she was lying there and she got up on one elbow and looked over into the closet area and she said, What's next? <laughs> what is next? What, what adventure do we have next awaiting for us through our thoughts, through our emotions, through our feelings, through our bodies, our minds, through our consciousness, the quality of life in how we can give and receive. And one of the things that we can always give is gratitude to be thankful. That's why tithing is so important. And that's one thing that Mr. Fillmore re really um, develops in the book Prosperity. The importance of tithing is giving back to where we receive enrichment, to be able to give back in gratitude and say, thank you. I appreciate you, I acknowledge you, and I give to you to support what, whether it's unity or a, a person, you know, it is a way of giving gratitude and giving a blessing in thanks and, and in love to those around us in our lives. So let me close with this quote. Probably you've never heard of her, but um, 
Rosemary Freeney Harding. She was the leader of Mennonite House in Atlanta, Georgia. In, in Atlanta, Georgia. They established in about 1961. And the Mennonite House they established was a place for um, civil rights workers, especially those who were coming down from the north, where they would have a sanctuary, a place to stay while they were doing the support of the work of Martin Luther King Jr. and uh, many of the others marching for civil rights. And it was interesting because this was a Black Mennonite family who operated the house and the volunteers were all white. <laughs> think about that. I think that's just a brilliant thing that you hear you have just a reversal. I have worked in Atlanta back in 2000 and it, it hadn't changed much from 1961 to, to 2000, except it had, it had changed a lot. Anyway, Rosemary Freeney said, there is no scarcity. There is no shortage, no lack of love, of compassion, of joy in the world. There is enough. There is more than enough. So let's take a moment to have a prayer meditation. If you will, get comfortable. Take deep breaths. <clears throat> Sit up straight. Your spine is erect. If that is comfortable, if you can. Breathe deep. And as you breathe, let out any tension, any worry, doubt. Breathe in. Loving kindness. Breathe in fresh breath. Breathe in fresh, invigorating love. And as you do, allow yourself to open up to the vision of what is truly you and yours through love. Letting that love move and breathe through your heart to bless all that is around you, all the people, all living things, the dogs and the cats and the bears, the fox, the birds, the whales, the people, the babies. We thank you, Lord of love, for blessing us this day. And all that we can do with this day, all we can be how we can care for others. How we can share with others. 
And so we bless our families. And we bless our friends. We bless all of those in our unity family here and around the world. And all families, not just us and ours, but everyone. Everyone everywhere. We thank you, Lord of love, for blessing us with quality love, quality friends, good quality, best quality, loving, caring, and families. And all of those who are suffering now, we bless. Those who are suffering, suffering with illness, we bless them with love, with war, with poverty, homelessness, abuse, we bless them with love, for healing to happen for divine order to bring about a higher level of good and imagine. And we give thanks for this day and what we can do and be this day to demonstrate the love of God, compassion, kindness, Thank you, God, for everything. Amen. Thank you, John. Okay, everybody come back here now. <laughs> Okay, it's time for our morning offering. We want to thank everyone who has donated to Unity by, Unity by Mail. We appreciate any checks sent to the church at 800 South Pearl Street, Centralia, Washington, 98531. You can also donate on our website at unitycentralia.net. We also thank you for all the ways you give of your time and talent. So let's say our offering prayer together as we hold our offering in our hands and hearts. Divine love through me 
blesses and multiplies all that I have, all that I give, all that I receive, and all that I am. Sweet and smooth, Julius. Thank you. All right, let's say our blessing of thanks together. We bless these gifts and send them forth to heal, bless, and prosper. They are evidence of our faith and belief. They do good work in the world and return to us multiplied abundantly. And so it is. Now, if you'd like to focus our collective group healing energy for someone, speak out their name or hold them quietly in your heart. Members of our community have requested we send out healing prayers and energy to the children, women, men, and animals displaced by war. The members of our communities who must deal with basic human needs while living without a home. How about Bernie John? It's all good to Bernie John. Bernie John, Kaya. I send a prayer out today for Pandora um, and Sophia, and that um, some of you know Frank passed away. Um, and he's saying that she's sending prayers out to Pandora and Sophia because Frank passed away recently. Yeah, they could they could use um, what do you call it? 
and how we should um, just let you know that we are thinking about them. Thank you. Beloved Mother, Father, God, we ask for the highest and greatest good for all and endeavor to see them through your eyes, knowing all is in divine order. Amen. Now it's time for the prayer of protection. Let's say our prayer of protection together. The light of God surrounds us. The love of God enfolds us. The power of God protects us. The presence of God watches over us. Wherever we are, God is, and all is well. So in the sanctuary, we're going to form a circle for the peace song. And then as they do that, we prepare for the music. I'd like to thank John for his wonderful speech talking today. Joyce for her gorgeous music. Penny for our slides. And Hallie for being the reader. Next week, our reader will be Eileen. So if you want to join us there or on Zoom, that would be great. Okay, guys.